Hey guys, and welcome into the show. Thank you so much for joining us. On this week's episode, we talk about Carousel of Progress. This is the beginning of a series of, of episodes we have planned about extinct attractions. Now, Carousel of Progress, of course, still lives on in Walt Disney World, but it is, of course, no longer a piece of Disneyland. So we're um, we're using that opportunity to feature it in this extinct attraction series. So um, we hope you guys enjoy that. If you guys want to follow the show, you can find us on Facebook. Um, our Facebook page is just the Talking Llamas Podcast. You can find us on Instagram at Talking Llamas Podcast. And if you'd like to get in touch with the show, you can email us. Our email address is talkinglamaspod at gmail.com. That is talkinglamaspod at gmail.com. And you can send along any questions, comments, or concerns, and, and we can answer those questions on the air, potentially. Um, and then, as always, you can find us on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify. You can subscribe on Apple Podcasts. You can follow on Spotify. And then if you have time, you can just leave us a quick rating on Apple Podcasts. And if you have just an extra second, you can leave us a review. That really helps us, um, and that's really the best way to support the show right now. That, of course, and as well, telling a friend. All right, guys, without any further delay, off we go. Episode 61 of the Talking Moms podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome into the show. Robert Camozzi here, joined by Thomas Nelson. Hello. Thomas, uh, Mulan, as of this, the day of this recording, it opened up today. September available. 4th. Yes. Availability for everyone who has Disney Plus and, and perhaps other streaming services. And $30. At $30, yes. I should. Uh, it's available for you. You have the privilege to buy it for $30. And, uh, and we did that because why waste time? Just buy it the day I guess it comes out. Um, and I watched it. You have yet to watch it. Um, you're going to watch it this weekend. I, I yeah. 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 Initial thoughts, um, without spoiling anything for those of us. Yes. No spoilers. All poor. I will say, all I will say is I think it is objectively not the worst live action film they've, uh, they've made. Okay. Then what, in uh, your opinion, what's the worst one? It's, I think it's Aladdin. Um, okay. It might be Beauty and the Beast, but. Uh, well, many people will disagree with you on that. When you said, though, that uh, it was not the worst, yeah. I thought, well, Aladdin could be the worst. And then you said Aladdin, so... I think Aladdin is the worst. Yeah, it's pretty bad. So, um, so yeah, that's my takeaway. That I will... And it's about two hours, right? So that's it's, longer yeah. than the original uh, animated version. Yeah. I mean, they expand on some things. That's about, I think, where it comes from. Any... So. Hmm. I, I don't want to ask too many questions. Yeah. Yeah, we'll just leave it at that. Okay. I mean, some people will probably wait until December to, to watch it. So we'll probably have a full-length episode on it at some point that you can listen to. And There will be spoilers in that one. Yeah. So if you're, if you're waiting to... Uh... If, you're, if you don't want Mulan spoiled for you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and uh, I guess the only other thing that has happened this week is that, uh, you know, the, the 
observers of Disneyland that that and what's going on there has sort of descended into like Bigfoot talk. Like, is that a in a, a Twitter account or something? It's not just of... no. It's just no, no. I made that up. Okay, well, I mean, make the account right now. It's not any one person. It's yeah. um, it's just a an amalgamation of grainy photos and personal accounts. <laughs> It's it's very much like well, the, so people are explain what it is that you're it's describing, just, and and the reason I say it's like the Bigfoot footage that you see that says proof of Bigfoot. It's just like people take these photos or tell stories about how they went to downtown Disney and then went to the Esplanade, which you can do, stood at the turnstiles um, where the gates are closed, but look through. Um, at either Main Street, which is very difficult to do. Um, mm-hmm. You have to get just the right angle to look through one of those, you know, where the overhang you go underneath and before you enter Main Street. Yeah. Um, either that or, or uh, a look into Buena Vista Street where there are accounts of horses being seen on Main Street, uh, you know, music being played on Buena Vista Street, which I guess was previously not something they were doing, cast members walking up and down the grounds. There's even been accounts of, like, drone footage of um, them trimming trees, which I don't see, like, I don't, is that something they're not doing? It's unclear. You you mean that would be normal whether they're closed for another six months or they open tomorrow? They're not just going to let nature take over the park. (laughs) Yeah. I'm not saying that they're not opening soon. I just think that it gets a little crazy when people are like, they're taking. I think people can feel that it's close. They're pruning the bushes. Yeah. That must mean that they're opening tomorrow. Like, that's not, you know. That's, but I, I agree. And, you know, we talked last week about how the governor came out and said there was like businesses need to meet certain requirements. And there's this four, uh, you, you know, this four color system that it, apparently the theme parks are a separate issue um, entirely. And he actually expanded on that a little bit later in the week. So that's, I guess, some good news for people who want to go to Disneyland. Um, and that actually means we discussed last week, you, you had resigned yourself to the fact that you wouldn't be able to go just because you discontinued, like w- once your expiration date comes, your passes. And my expiration finish. date on the passes is the end of October. Yeah. So, so some people are now speculating. In fact, I saw one blog, um, which was a somewhat credible source, although it was the only one I saw putting this out there that, um, Disneyland was shooting for September 28th. It's complete speculation. I mean, I don't yeah, know if I've they have sources well. or what. Um, but even if it's October 1st, or let's just say it's before your pass expires, what would your thoughts be? And and I mean specifically, how do you feel about COVID and, and all that? Because um, people's mileage varies on that. Oh, man, it's, it's tough. Because the main draw would be, I guess, hearing the, like the music in the lands and stuff, but also the food. I don't know. I might not do it and just wait until things are more normal. Mm. And I was just thinking about in terms of, I got a great deal with the pass that I paid for. I paid for a few months and I got to go for like six or seven days worth of time. Yeah. And so that's what I already got plenty of my money's worth from the year. I don't need to mess with the Disney gods here and take advantage, but I would be paying for the month. So it's not like I understand that the logic doesn't add up, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're still paying for that month that you, if they yeah, open October 1st would, or whatever. And it would be just a, what for me, my payments were like 45 bucks a month. So mm-hmm. I think when, unlike what happened with Disney world where the crowds were super low, I don't know that that's going to happen with Disney world as much. I mean, a, Disney world seems to have set like a low capacity at which they were allowing people in, but that capacity wasn't even being reached, which accounts for the lower crowds, I think. Yeah. 
I think it, Disneyland will be close to whatever low capacity they set. Now, it's possible that California doesn't let them set the same capacity they had in Florida. I don't know. But I think that it's going to be harder to get reservations is the point. Then, sure. Then it w- w- just people, it, there seems to be this anticipation growing. Not to mention the fact that it's much more of a locals park. You know, people can just go, whereas you're not getting as, in Disney World's sort of dependent on people from outside the city and outside the state, outside the country even. So that kind of accounts, I think, people just not wanting to travel right now. So I think Disneyland, you know, it's going to be a different story. And, and again, you think that's more people will be there? I don't know if more people will be there because I don't know what the capacity is going to be. I mean, more competition to get yes. into the park. Yeah. Yes. I think that that's almost certain at this point because also the, the sort of conversation around COVID-19 has changed too. I think people are, uh, just the longer it goes, the less people want to be inside their house and the more people are willing well, to and, go. Well, and you're more comfortable when you see that, well, Disney World's been open since mid-July or whatever it was, and then it's still open. No major reports of significant increases in yeah. COVID from those who have attended the parks. Uh, in general, people are yeah tired of being indoors when they probably should be outdoors. Yeah. Just in terms of how the virus behaves. But yeah, we'll see. I think definitely more competition to get in. And one reason why I won't, I won't push myself into the, the running right now. Yeah. No, it makes sense. I, 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 I don't, begrudge anyone who decides not to go like i i kind of gave in our trip report uh i kind of gave disney world a a ringing endorsement but you know that's me you know it's not for everyone and i i've said as much it's not the experience at least at disney world and mostly what disneyland is like but the disney world experience is not for everyone because you have to conform to these things and it's a different experience and it changes your uh, the whole vibe is a little bit different at, at the very least so and there's certain things that are missing like if you're really into meeting characters and such that's not something you can do right now if you're really into nighttime shows and everything it's not something you can do at the moment so that's an interesting point. And when do you think that kind of stuff will be back? I don't know. There's been, and again, this is this is just so such. It's so unscientific in in the way that people approach it because there's just no way to know. But there's all kinds of stuff coming out about you know Disney World's testing uh, projections on Cinderella Castle and blah blah and that. But they're not even going to be open late enough. I don't think. I don't know when it starts getting dark. At I think they they close at six right now. At Magic Kingdom, I don't know when it starts getting dark at six o'clock, but they've extended the you know uh, the shorter hours. I mean, you know, the hours were short when they reopened. They made them even shorter. They extended that through November. So I mean, I don't. I, to me, I think it's a while before the nighttime shows come back. Parades, like actual parades, not cavalcades. Maybe that's a little bit sooner. I'd, I'd assume that that they they would bring those back first because they actually have like. They now have markers down Main Street on the sidewalk at Magic Kingdom hmm. um, for you to stand on, I guess, when cavalcades come down, but I presume that'll still be there when parades come back, and they'll be used for that. See, I want the full, I want the full freedom of movement in the park, and I don't care if there's a lot of people next to me. I want to have that, that approach anyway, where I just don't care about, oh, someone's right there, that's whatever. Yeah. I'm still watching this awesome parade or fireworks show. Yeah. I mean, I, it, it's a different experience right now, for sure. But there's there's trade-offs and there's benefits to it. So, I don't know. I, I've said this before. Although, when, Dis- when Disneyland reopens, I'll be going. 
the Splash Mountain thing. I know, that's a problem. Kind of a big that's deal. That's a real problem. I mean, I, I could see myself maybe getting one day reservation and going down, but staying one night somewhere just to do that. Yeah. I could see that. Even just going alone if I have to. Well, I'm sure you'd go. I, I, I mean, it, as long as the schedule's lined up, it would, you know, our schedules are different, so. But if, yeah, I, I, I'm not not One going. last Splash Mountain pick, brother. <laughs> we need one more. <laughs> yeah. We'll, we'll dress like Hulk Hogan, brother. Yeah. Yeah, well, it would be great if we could get one more. When it's still Splash Mountain. We'll recreate the, the number one. Yeah, the best photo ever taken on that attraction. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways... Uh, we will see. I, I, th- I think a, I think an announcement is imminent. That's the feeling I'm getting. Um, but who knows how much that is sort of colored by the idea of all these like grainy photos and people getting really excited about it. No, I think it's it's time. I don't know if if Mulan being released now is any sort of indication of the direction the company's going, but mm-hmm. I think they're trying to get back to business. Yeah, uh, get people um, consuming content and also going to the parks. Yeah, buying merchandise just enjoying themselves really will will the presence or lack thereof of spooky snacks um will that uh, will that if there's it? a pb and jd peanut butter and jelly donut over in california adventure i'll spend a whole day there just to get it <laughs> well you would have to and that's what you i mean you would have yeah. to <laughs> yeah okay. that'd be rough though because then i'd have to go for two days because i need to ride splash mountain yeah oh boy i mean yeah if you could just tunnel under, if you could just tunnel tunnel under the Esplanade and just to ride Splash Mountain real quick and then come back, or I could just take the lid off of Guardians of the Galaxy and they can shoot me out the top. Yep. <laughs> That's how it works, right? Yep, exactly. Well, now I have some things to consider because those are two important things. That that donut. Yeah, you never know if it'll be back. I mean, I really love it. It's amazing yeah. to me, but also Splash Mountain. Yeah, a two day trip. Yeah, you could even make it. One first, and a half day. Yeah, like first day's Disneyland. You do Disneyland all day. And then you do the second day at California Adventure, leave in the afternoon. Yeah. Problem solved. See? Not so hard. More to come. <laughs> More problems, yeah. Okay, well, I think that that's all for the news. So we can get to our main topic of the week. Uh, we're talking extinct attractions. And this, this attraction is extinct at Disneyland, at least. It is the carousel of... Progress. Now, another of our World Fair exhibits that features the audio animatronics is the Carousel Theater of Progress. Well, how do you do? <laughs> this is the Carousel Theater of Progress. In Act One, the audience meets an audio animatronic family. The time is just before the turn of the century. Father, the host, tells the joys of living in the pre electric era. Next, our audience moves to Act Two and the 1920s. Now the family has all kinds of new contraptions to make life more enjoyable, including a crystal radio. Then our audience moves to the fabulous 40s, the beginning of the electronic era and the age of television. The last act of the Carousel Theater shows the wonderful family life of today with its leisurely push-button living.
the Carousel of Progress, Thomas. We are so lucky lucky to have been able to ride this, uh, not at Disneyland, but at, at Disney World. Um, what were your impressions? I know it's a very different version, but what were your impressions of the attraction? My impressions were, well, it's, it's tough because I, I knew going in that I would be interested in the attraction. Attracted to the attraction. No, interested. <laughs> Very distinct difference. No, but I, I was going to say, but this isn't how I felt, but I could imagine many think this way, that it would look like an attraction that is easy to fall asleep in. Mm. Like the Hall of Presidents is something that I just, it's hard to pay attention to. But knowing the history of this attraction, or at least the uh, you know the Disneyland version, I'm like, oh, this is cool. I'm watching something that's tied to Walt Disney in some way. And it's, yeah, I, I actually really liked the attraction in Walt Disney world, uh, quite a bit. We wrote it on our, our recent trip and, uh, it was like a must do, especially for Michaela never having yeah. experienced it. Um, and, uh, it was a great time. It was a really, really, I don't know. It's, it's nice to write it and anything that you feel sort of that Walt attachment, I think is, it's really important to make sure that you, take in especially if you don't go to the parks very often um you know there are things in disney world that feel that way um i wish i i would love if this were still in disneyland to be honest and we'll get into that a little bit but um sort of the original idea for this traction is it's interesting to get into the idea for it was envisioned in 1958 as an extension of of main street Mm-hmm. was what they were going to do. I, it, part of a land, I guess, that was going to... Yeah, call a new, a land? well... An area of the park. A very small new section called Edison Square. Yeah. You want to get into Edison Square a little bit before we... Thomas Edison. Yeah. It was an electric city. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Isn't there a song by that name uh, in the office that they do? Maybe. Dwight yeah. and uh, Mr. Michael Scott? Yes, I think I... Yes. Yeah, they're like rapping. I bet they're connected. <laughs> yeah. No. Yeah, well, it was supposed to be a celebration of electricity and progress. Mm-hmm. Electricity being the sort of catalyst the for... The area of this park, you mean? Yeah, and that's at the end of Main Street. I think off to the right. Somehow, I guess where the Plaza Inn is I'm now. I'm imagining... I, I, no, I think the Plaza Inn would stay. That. I think it would be... if The way I envisioned it is it would be sort of to the... If you're looking at the Plaza Inn, it would be to the right, and maybe that Photoshop wouldn't be there. You know, they have that like photo. Oh, I was assuming it would... It could maybe include what you're describing, that Photoshop, but also... The where the red wagon is with yes. the hot corn dogs, uh, maybe extend that walkway and open up the space back there a little bit. That's exactly what I mean. Yeah, they called it somewhere. I read it was called a cul-de-sac. So yeah. imagine that uh, as a visual. Yes. Um, yeah. Exactly. So it was going to have brick road with electric horseless carriages. That was part of it. Or uh, a car. Yes. Exactly. <laughs> I know that was odd. That uh, electric street lamps. Um, Ooh, that's fun. As well as a statue of Thomas Edison, which would be sort of... That'd be weird. Was the partner statue there when Walt was there? No. No, no, no. That came later. Yeah, you can you can have a partner statue and an Edison statue. In my my imagination is telling me that the... Now, it's you don't know for sure, but the, the Edison statue would have started bigger than the partner statues did. They didn't... Like, one would have influenced the other. Mm-hmm. Well, but, Edison was a bigger man. Oh, yeah. As you well know. Yeah. Uh, yeah, well, but I, do you know what I'm saying? Like, I imagine the statue just would have been bigger back then yeah. for some reason. I get what you mean. And if, yeah, and it's worth, yeah, Edison's great. <laughs> what? So wait, what? What? Else, you may know more about Edison Square than I do. Is there any other details? Mm, I mean, I think it was supposed no. to include like a haunted house and all that, which I think later. Uh, just no, became. I think that was that was just at the end of Main Street and mm. the earlier ideas of the park. It yeah. was like 
that was that's something they could do. I don't know what that has to do with Edison Square specifically, but yeah. I know that we talked about that uh, with the Haunted Mansion episode. Episode that's, five. That's <laughs> yes, because that's where uh, really began. Yeah, the idea. For, so so yeah, they, and you know that became Haunted Mansion, and uh, they had an idea for the what eventually became the Carousel of Progress, and uh, it was set to be a four act, fifteen minute show. And they were going to call it Harnessing the Lightning, a story of yesterday, today, and tomorrow. That was what they were going to call it, apparently. Um, But things changed um, when General Electric approached Walt in 1959. Um, 59? That was the the year I read. Just clarifying. 1959 to design an attraction for them to show in the 1964 World's Fair, which is... Kind of a famous fair in Disney in Disney history, Disney yeah. History. yeah. Yes. Um, let's see, four attractions they produced. Do you remember which four? Okay, let me give it a shot. Uh, there's the Something Pavilion, the Motorway. It's for Ford. It was done for Ford. Uh, what, what is it called? Ford Motor Skyway. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's a small world. Do you know who, who for? Huh? Do you know who they that was for? Which company sponsored that attraction? The Small World. Uh, uh, Small World? Yep. Uh, was it Pepsi? It was Pepsi. Wow. And uh, Splash Mountain. Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, the Carousel of Progress for General Electric. So we have three? There's four. There's I know, but there's more. a fourth one. You have the fourth three. one. Oh, Abraham Lincoln. Uh, great moments with Mr. Lincoln. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was. Um, I don't know who that's for. The state of Illinois. Oh, oh right. Which makes sense, I guess. Um, Just but, represent them. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then. Uh, Let's and then, see now. Just, just, Three of those went to be attractions at the park. Yeah. Go on. That's that's really important and interesting, and there's still, two of them are still there, um, and three of them still exist in Disney parks. So, mm-hmm. um, The name changed at this point, right? So the name was originally supposed to be Harnessing the Lightning, A Story of Yesterday, Today, and, and that And that name was under the concept of Edison Square. Exactly. Which changed when General Electric approached them, because... Well, go on. Well, yeah, I mean, they just, they wanted to, I, I guess General Electric's slogan in the 50s and 60s was, progress is our most important product. So, Carousel of Progress, the name, was born. Um, I think the concept stayed relatively the same, um, but it, uh, it the name changed. And I'm sure other things change as well, but, you know, the overall idea stayed more or less the same with the name change. Um some of the voices, um, well, there's some. There's several characters in the show. I mean, the the main character is the father. So um, the father. Yeah. What's his name? I, I, I think it's George. <laughs> Samuel, George, Daniel, David, Mark. These are all just generic. Fabio. Names. This is bad that we don't know this. It should be Fabio. Um, let's let's call him Fabio. That's what we'll call him. Yeah. So Fabio, do you know? Do you remember who? What actor? Are um, you looking up the name of that fella? Yeah. Uh, Rex Allen is what we read. Well, that was his, that, yeah, so that was the, um, the voice actor. I was actually saying who he was modeled after. Um, oh, I, I don't know that. I think it's Preston, well, let me just, I have it right He here. wasn't Thurl Ravenscroft, was it? it? No, no, unfortunately not. It was Preston Hansen. Hmm. He was the physical model for the father. Now, Rex, Rex Allen provided the original voice. You are correct there. That's changed since it's moved over to Disney World, but, uh. You know, what's interesting is that, in the uh, original audio for that attraction, because it changed, you know, the story changed over time. 
um, as things developed, is the father calls his wife mother. Oh, interesting. And then wife, like it's, and there's an interesting dynamic there. But have you found the father's name? It's John, apparently, or at least it was. Of course, it's John. I mean, so. that's okay. Um, the the father's. You had a quote, right? Is is this the time at which you'd like to read that? Oh, well, it's not really relevant to the characters, but I do have a quote of their narration that opens up the attraction. Oh, well, let's start there then, because yeah, it does. It does. You're right. The attraction before we even meet the father, there's at least it. At Disney World, there's a sign that kind of is the sign for the attraction. There's a narration now. I'm sure that's changed, and you have the original one. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's definitely different now. I checked uh, earlier this week. And uh, I got the source uh, for this, the audio for the opening attraction from a website called DisneyChris.com. And there's all sorts of great audio. I know you've mentioned Sounds of Disneyland, right? Yes, and and Disney Chris, if you're looking for something that like real deep dives, that's... uh, Which could be like really historical stuff from the opening days and stuff. I don't know where he gets it from, but it's it's laid out pretty easily. You can navigate through. And so that's where I got this quote uh, in its full... So, uh, yeah, it opens up. I think this Rex Allen might uh, do the narration for this. doesn't matter. I don't even know who he is by name. Um, Welcome to the General Electric Carousel Progress. Now, most, most carousels just go round and round without getting anywhere. But on this one, at every turn, we'll be making progress. And progress is not just moving ahead. It's dreaming and working and building a better way of life. Progress is the sound of a motor, the hum of a turbine, like a wind turbine, Uh, the heartbeat of a factory, the sound of a symphony, the roar of a rocket. Progress is people getting released from drudgery, uh, gaining more time to enjoy themselves and live richer lives. And as long as man dreams and works and builds, this progress will go on in your life and mine. That is not what we have today. No, it is not quite what we have. But I like that. Yeah, it's a good message, I think. Yeah. Yeah, and so that kind of sets the stage for the whole attraction. Um, and uh, well, I mean, what's imp- what I notice right away when I'm doing all this uh, reading about it and thinking about it is that really thinking about how this is an attraction made for a company to advertise. Yeah, yeah. And that's a strange. Like, I don't know if I would agree with that concept now. You yeah. Because it's weird. Yeah. And yet, somehow, in that uh, opening bit there it Walt was that kind of guy to dream and build and that's what he was doing yeah this was a way that he could support his dreams which was to get funding from this company General Electric create something to promote their product but also uh, educate people on like where we've come from where where we might go and that you progress through you know these different qualities like dreaming working building yeah and so the the show attempts to or the attraction and the show within it, it attempts to capture different times and the innovations that that go on during those times. So it captures the gay 90s, the roaring 20s, the frantic 40s, and then the final scene um, would always be on the verge of tomorrow. That's the idea. And, the, and this is the original attraction, the one that was at Disneyland. Right. Um, and so it goes through those time periods and then, it's always trying to, at least, you know, when General Electric was involved, it's always trying to show what's coming or, or what's just hitting the scene um, and what's, you know, the newest technologies. And the original, it's interesting. I think now it's pretty clear when you watch the one at Disney World that you're following 
a family that's all the same characters but in a different time, mm-hmm. right? But I guess that was unclear in the original version. It was unclear whether or not the family was the same family in a different time or different people. Or what what the it was just it was just unclear. In fact, the dog changes every time in the original version. It was a different dog with a different name um, throughout the throughout each scene. But uh, but the the idea stays the same, and you know different innovations throughout each decade are showcased and described by the father um, throughout the attraction. And Marty Sklar has a quote um, about the final scene and and what it it's meant to be. The last act would remain entirely fle- flexible, so that General Electric products of today and tomorrow could be brought up to date from year to year. So that and that's what Marty Sklar said said about the final scene. I'm wondering if the reason this attraction didn't stick around very long is its connection to just a product, like, like you know what I mean? Because a lot of the stuff we still have from the opening days, they're not, they're just they're fun storytelling devices. Yeah. This one is educational, tells a story, but at least in that quote from Marty Sklar, you can tell there's a focus on maintaining, well, maintaining the partnership with a company. And their product is, they say progress, but it's really just, I don't even know what, what kind of, I just, what light bulbs, different yeah. stuff like that. I mean, I know for a fact General Electric still has light bulbs. Yeah. Well, they do like refrigerators um, and. Yeah. So like how long is that going to last in a park? Yeah. You know? Well, yeah. And I, I think the message is still good, but once it, once General Electric's name is off of it, it, it things change, obviously. Um, and. I'm, I'm trying to remember. It, it closed. It was not. And you're right. It was not open in Disneyland for very long. And I'm, in fact, I was surprised how quickly it closed. That well, inter- interestingly, that was tied to uh, General Electric noticing that they're not getting that much um, from this partnership. Yeah. Because so many people from, I guess, east of the Mississippi River, where Disney World now is in Florida, they just weren't in contact with this advertising. Yeah which is what they were, that's all they were interested in. Um, so that, then that's why it closed down in the early 70s, 73, and then opened up in Walt Disney World. In 75. Yeah. yeah a couple of years later. I mean, it's interesting that, it, to your point about, you know, a, a, like a company sponsoring a tra- uh, a, uh, an attraction, which we don't see that much in the parks. We see it with some things, I suppose, um, but n- not that much. You know, back then, the the parks were just trying to get off the ground and, like, be able to, like, this was Walt's way of being able to build rides on the cheap. Like, yeah. not have to put a lot of his own money into the attraction just because he was sort of, you know, getting by um, by the skin of his teeth and, you know, spending more money than he should. This was his way of getting new attractions into the park without having to, like, dump a bunch of his own money into them. So, it's not something that's necessary today in the same way, but it is interesting, um and it, it did produce some some iconic attractions. You know what I think? Um, I'm sorry to interrupt no, you for that. No. Um, that this is actually is a great concept for Tomorrowland as a, as a concept. Yeah. We, and th- well, this opened up as a part of New Tomorrowland in, I think, 1967, right? So that that along with Adventures Through through Inner Space, which I guess is supposed to make you feel like you're inside of an atom or something. So it's an educational thing, but also the people mover opened up. Yes. And those three things together, I think, fit within a Tomorrowland concept pretty well. Yeah, all three are gone. And From Disneyland. And at least one of them is missed by a lot of people. I think, well, we can get under that later. I think for us, people mover, we would like 
I would love for that sure. Carousel more. progress, I could take it because it's historical. But it, you know, if something else could come in, that's fine too. Yeah, yeah, we'll talk about that in a bit. I think um, once we we get a little further down the line, the final scene. One thing that I thought was interesting while we're talking about the final scene. In the Disneyland version of the final scene, uh, the mother and the father were the only ones present in the living room. And what's interesting about it is um, it's Christmas, right? And I I guess in the window, uh, through the window can be seen Walt's vision for Epcot. Like they're, I guess they're living in, you know, Walt's Epcot is the idea, which Mm -hmm. is pretty cool. I I thought that was cool. Not something that you see now in the Walt Disney World version, but is, uh, was a feature of the Disneyland version while it was open. And they had at the end of the attraction when you walked out, I guess on the second floor of the building. So it's the building in Disneyland where they have Star Wars Launch Bay. Yeah. And there's two floors. And the the building in, in uh, Disney World is just one floor. So you're not going upstairs anywhere, even if you wanted to, unless you work there or something. I don't know. But on the second floor at the exit of the attraction, they had this model for that they called the Progress City, but was really reflective of Walt's idea for Epcot an experimental prototype community of tomorrow. Yeah. Um, yeah, well, in Epcot, they called it Progress City because Epcot, the, the idea or the plans hadn't been finalized to build that park yet um, or that, I guess, whatever it, it was supposed to be originally. Um, so that's why they, they called it that instead of actually coming out and saying it's Epcot. But it, it was the same idea. Not what the Epcot we know today, but the Epcot that Walt originally envisioned. And, you know, I'm, I'm wondering about that Epcot. We should maybe do an episode about it if we can, but I don't think that we would have anything close to the Disney we have now if that had gone through. If Walt had survived just 10 more years, which is completely feasible, um, is, I mean, what happens at Disney World? I guess we probably get a very, we get a Magic Kingdom. I, I don't know how different it would be. Do we ever see? Uh, do we ever see the Epcot we have today? Like, does that ever come about? I'm not saying that's a good or a bad thing. I don't know. Maybe what we get instead is better, or or it depends on I guess how you measure better. But do I don't. We, I don't think it's just we don't. I don't think we get that. You don't think that some that some version of Epcot eventually gets built like in the 80s or 90s or something. Perhaps the only uh, precedence we have for that kind of thing would. I don't even know if we do. Did Walt think about... I mean, he was aware of other countries and, and stuff. Well, I don't mean... <laughs> He's aware Well, like, like he was interested in, yeah, in yeah, learning no, about stuff. Mean, yeah. So I'm sure he had it on his mind. But this this Epcot idea, we'll get into it in another episode because it's, it deserves it. But it, I see that as a, a point, if it came to fruition, that it would transition Walt into being sort of like a, like a big, I don't know, like tech person before yeah, that, tech was really a thing that would bring him to that because i could imagine so much coming from a community in which all this innovation can happen that why would you stick to all the characters and why would you imbue everything with the disney characters or disney you wouldn't have to well and and the way that disney or or walt i should say sort of left stopped um being so hands-on with um with the animation department when Disneyland reopened, he wasn't as hands on then. Um, perhaps if the, the Epcot he envisioned had opened, perhaps he would have, uh, been more hands off in the theme parks, you know, mm-hmm. and, and this would have 
so think who knows what it's it's kind of interesting to think of how different things would be for disney had he like just lived long enough to see the epcot the true epcot through mm-hmm. i mean we'll never know obviously but that's super interesting i'm looking and it looks like this model was enormous the uh, model in carousel of progress progress uh, city th- through the exit yeah 115 feet wide they say 60 feet deep which i mean i don't know what, how that means i guess if you're standing at the front yeah, looking the straight at it, it f- far away from you but i'm just looking at a few pictures online there's there's two imagineers standing on top of it and they look i mean it looks like well i don't know how to describe it but it, it, they just look a little bit too small <laughs> i mean like, yeah. i don't know where they put this model because it is so big yeah but it would have been cool to see it would have been i bet the archives has something to do with that anyways enough about epcot and what came to be um but that was that was the vision that Carousel of Progress was was trying to to sort of, I guess, embody or or to ex- exemplify. And it's just it's so wild to me that Carousel of Progress lasted in uh, in Disney World for like six years or Disneyland, excuse me, for like six years. And because you think that's too little time, it's shorter than I would have guessed. It's it's you know just that that attraction just feels so classic disney to me like when i ride it at disney world it just seems like it would have been in disneyland longer or at the very least that the disneyland and disney world version would have been open a little bit like their their openings would have overlapped a bit you know they don't at all in fact two years there's a two-year gap between which is you know longer than i would have thought for sure so i don't know it's interesting to you know some of the things have changed um and we don't have to get too far into it but you know um the the uh the mother's role changed well here's something that i when i was listening to the audio yeah of the original attraction at the beginning there's clearly a different dynamic between the the husband and the wife where the yeah. husband i mean a couple of times he maybe even through the two different segments um, he essentially tells her to get back to ironing his shirt. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's something that's definitely changed, and that's something I was about to say. But by the very end, she's constantly getting out in front of him trying to speak. So it's all about her, and she's she's just speaking. And then he starts to chime in, and she finishes his sentences, but in her own interest. Oh, interesting. So wait yeah. a second. I see. So is that suggesting that the progress isn't only technology, but also... Well, that's what I'm reading from it, that uh, I guess women are more in a more uh, powerful position, more empowered, yeah. And that would make sense. I don't have the dates on, like, women's uh, voting rights and stuff like that, but by the time you're getting to the 60s, you're like, you're, like, in that civil rights era. So it makes perfect sense that this would be something forecasted. That's actually interesting. I actually yeah. kind of like that. I mean, I know that you don't... Well, I mean, she is interrupting him, but they're trying to really drive home that... It's not all about him anymore. Well, things have improved. She, she's that, involved. That yeah. there's progress. Right. And so the progress isn't only the technology, it's it's relationships and it's um, civil rights and domestic relationships and all sort. That's actually very interesting. I yeah, sort of I mean, like it, that idea. It's cool, too, because at the end, she just she says, oh, uh, you haven't said anything, dear. But really, she's interrupting him all the time. And yeah, then yeah. She lets him finish saying, well, there is one thing I would like to say. And then he says his thing. But I, I really noticed that when I listened to it. So yeah, go to DisneyChris.com. You can hear it. It's about 19 minutes for the whole thing. But 
No, the reason I, I, I find that so interesting is um, in researching this, I saw that, they, you know, it, they said that the the part of the mother-wife um, had changed because she was sort of clearly subservient. Um, oh, yeah. Um, and that that had changed, that now in all four scenes she is, you know, um, a partner or whatever, or she she gets some shots in, whatever it is. Um. And, uh, but they didn't highlight the fact that, that in what I had read, um, that it was trying to show the progress or whatever. Now, here's the thing. <clears throat> I'm not saying that they need to go back to that and that it's great that that was how things were and that they were showing it. Um, but I'm, I'm interested in, in the vision that Walt and the other Imagineers had, um, in that particular, um, in that particular aspect of the attraction originally. So that's cool. That's a, that's a cool thing, a, a cool piece of history, I guess. I suppose. I mean, it's subtle. I don't know. It's not bad. It's not a bad thing at yeah, all. I'm yeah, just trying I, to like. I, well, you wouldn't, you wouldn't want people to get the wrong idea. And that's, I'm sure why they changed it. Um, Cause yeah. it's kind of a, it's kind of an abstract. Well, I concept. guess here's the thing is the fact that they even included the, that the husband said, um, whatever he said to to get her to iron, her, iron his shirt, like that was what she was supposed to be doing, not talking to him. Like yeah. they didn't have to, they didn't have to put that in, but yeah. they did because you know it was accurate to the basic dynamic anyway at the time. And the first, I think the first, so it goes in segments here where you jump from like you know the first year is eighteen ninety eight ish, just before nineteen hundred, and so I'm sure it was quite like that back then. Yeah. Um, yeah, so the fact that they included it means that, of course, that they would have to show progress in that sense as well. Yeah. Because, you know, a lot of the attraction is they're looking at, well, now it's easier to, I think they start out saying, well, how could life get any easier than, and then all these different ways that they wash the dishes or do the laundry or stuff, and it takes a long time. And each new uh, era that they're in, it's the same thing. Well, how, you know, how, how could it get any easier than this? This is so much easier than back then. And I think by the end, it's actually... Like, well, you know, we used to say it couldn't get any better. Yeah. And now... That's what I love about the attraction in in Disney World is where, like, he's got all these really things that not only we take for granted today, but things we would never do today. Um, And it's like... And he's like, I'll tell you what, things aren't going to get any better than today, or it's never going to be better than this. And and at least in the version we have now in Disney World, he talks about, like... um, some brothers are working on a flying contraption and and it's never going to work and all this stuff. So, I mean, that stuff's pretty great uh, to hear now and I'm sure back then too, just to hear like, oh, that's, that's so naive to think. And then it gives you the idea of like, what am I doing today in my everyday life that will be obsolete in 20 years or whatever? You know, it gives you, because there are things, of course, that in 20 years we won't be doing. or Like podcasting? Oh, no, that's eternal. It's evergreen. You're right. It'll never go out of style. That, how could it get any better than podcasting? Yeah, it doesn't get better. No, but I mean, it, it's, it is interesting to think about, like, you know, back then they thought that this was the height of technology. Oh, yeah. Well, you in know? that sense, it's a very good lesson, which is to say you don't know all that you think you do. Yeah. And things can uh, improve and they will improve as long as you're dreaming about how to do it, working towards it, and then actually actively building those are the three things from the narration. Dream it, work, work on it, and build it. Yeah. 
And uh, yeah, that's where we are now. We're seeing that happen in our lives. And what's great about the attraction is we can actually um, accurately take a look into the past briefly and use this family as a way to do it. So it's artistic in that way. And then we just get appreciation from where we are now, but realize that we can go other places with this. And then that's all sort of captured by the fantastic song that is uh, in this attraction. That too was uh, the work of some brothers. <laughs> two two brothers, yes. The Sherman brothers, to be exact. Um, it, was, it was interesting reading about what they thought about, or at least what Richard Sherman thought about uh, writing this song. And, you know, they were telling him, like, this is how long it has to be because it has to fit into this, like, 13 and a half seconds between when it starts turning and when he needs to start right, talking so again. What you're explaining is that, so it starts out with the, the song to open up the, up the attraction. And then you're, so you're, if you don't know anything about it, you're in a theater seat and you're rotating around, right? You're rotating around the yeah. scene um, in front of you. And there's, it's like broken up into different sections so that when you rotate on, on the, uh, on the theater side, you just, you sort of lock into the next section. Yeah. Imagine like a, a shoebox scene. If you've ever made that as a kid, you know, you take the top off a shoebox, take the one wall off, and then you, you can make something in there like a living room or something. That it, That's what's happening. So in between each transition, you have the song transition physically transition from one era to the next. You have the same chorus of the song. Yeah. Sing it, buddy. Oh, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> Come on. Um, but I mean, the song is called, a great big beautiful tomorrow. Yeah, and that that is the essence of the transition, because it it's taking you to tomorrow and how it's greater and bigger. Yeah, yeah. So, and I think that's it's. I think it's one of my favorite songs by them in terms of what's in the parks, like that are strictly for the parks. Um, you know, Mary Poppins is a whole. Different are you thing. sure? Tiki Room, I think, is number one. Oh, you mean just by Sherman Brothers? Mm-hmm. Then yes, know. yes, yes. Small world. Oh, I don't know if Come it even on. makes a top the top ten list of like. Well, no, it didn't because we did a, a music. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, oh, I don't. I'm not oh, well, I guess I wouldn't count it because it's an extinct in quotes attraction. Yeah, it's not there. But I, I don't know. I, I, I like it better than uh, Small World for sure. I like it too because it's, it's simple. Um, yeah. Well, so is a Small World, but that has a different effect on your brain. You know, it gets stuck in your head. So um, Richard Sherman's described writing the song as um i think he said trying to build a foot for a sh- like someone giving you a shoe and saying build a foot to fit this shoe or, or something like that it's yeah like, it's like here's a shoe find me a f- or build me a foot that fits into to it, fit yeah. into it and he, he did say about it though um on a, a a sort of happier note um this is really a song about walt this is really the way he thought his vision of the future was great big and beautiful so I, I, I think that is part of why I love this attraction so much and uh, being able to experience it was such a pleasure. I mean, you know, another thing we did in Disney World was we, we saw the Walt show. What do they call that in Disney World? Is it One Man's Dream? I think so. I will try to find it. But experiencing that was great. And obviously that's like overtly Walt. It's all about him. It's like a little mini biography documentary about him. Uh it's about 10 minutes long or 15 minutes, whatever, uh, documentary show about him. This is a little more subtle, but I definitely get that, that feeling on this attraction. And I think the song is a big part of it that Walt's whole vision and and his way of thinking is sort of, um, embodied in this attraction. 
I think it is one man's dream, by the way, that I was talking about. Well, there about. is the museum before the show was Walt Disney Presents. Currently, you can catch a sneak peek of Disney's Mulan there. Not necessary. <laughs> no, it's on their website. I saw more than a sneak peek today. Anyways, you get the point. It's Walt uh, embodied into an attraction in, in a way that's sort of subtle, but also, uh, you know, it's there for sure. I think the, we read that when the Sherman brothers started out with the lyrics, they, you know, there's a lyric that says, man has a dream and that's the start. That yeah. It was the man part was Walt. Oh, yeah. I mean, just briefly, like, yeah. you know, Walt has a dream and that's the start and then so on. And you, you build from there because Walt was that man. To, to dream of something and then work to make it happen. And clearly it, it, it's the case because here we are making a friggin' podcast all about the man's, well, the effects of the work that he did. Yeah. What else do you have to say about this attraction? What, are there other things that, uh, about the history of it, anything else that you researched that you found particularly interesting? Well... It's an extinct attraction. No, I mean, I'm looking, I don't think there's anything historically that we, for this attraction, didn't really touch upon. Yeah. I mean, it's it's mostly all there. I, I don't have any knowledge of how the Imagineers approached creating this. I yeah. couldn't I couldn't really find much. Yeah, there's not much on that. that maybe, I maybe one day something will emerge. Uh, there is Cousin Orville. There's a fun fact about this. Oh, yeah. He. Uh, do you remember who voiced Coven, Cousin Orville? No. Mel Blanc, of course. Mel Blanc. Uh, that's a familiar name. Was he an artist? The, no, that's Mel Shaw. Uh, who's Mel Blanc? He is, of course, of Bugs Bunny and Daffy Duck fame. He uh, he voiced both of them, apparently. He also voiced a parrot that appears in the original, um, it, it, in the original show. It appeared in the first scene. Um, which actually, if you watch, um, there's a Walt Disney video where he's talking about the Carousel of Progress, like the idea of it. You can find these videos online if you look on YouTube. If you just type in Walt talking Carousel of Progress or whatever, it'll pop up. You can see like a little dia- diorama, I guess, for the first scene. And there's the the guy, you know, John sitting in the seat with the dog at his feet. And then to his to his left is a parrot. And I guess... I guess Mel Blanc also uh, voiced that parrot. Fun fact. <laughs> that was so fun. So fun. Yeah, it was the funnest of facts. Anyways. Oh, boy. I was going to say something, but then you started talking. <laughs> Oops. I do. Well, I, I did confirm that it's one man's dream. Okay. Well, that's good to know. But that wasn't what I was going to say. Oh, well, Cousin Orville, he hogs all the air conditioning. That's one of the progress things. Well, he invented air conditioning. He called it air cooling. <laughs> yeah. 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 I mean, lest uh, you forget, he was he was a son of a gun, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah. So his one line is no privacy at all around this place. And, Meanwhile, uh, he's he's in their home and he's hogging up all the AC. Essentially, again, he's, he invented it. So, well, I mean, that's I, his I, right. You know, uh, you know, share a little, but you know, hey, because yeah. they're sharing the home, and there he is, staying cool. So here's a question, and I'm gonna I'm gonna ask you. We can kind of wrap with this. Would Disneyland be a better place? if um, they brought back Carousel of Progress? And do you want them? If, if given the option, would you want them to bring it back? No. Interesting. I don't want it to be back. Okay. I like it. I love that it's around still, but I don't know if there's enough there to 
they wouldn't be able to keep it for very long. Even my own self-interest, I wouldn't go to it all the time. It's it's like a 20-minute thing, 15 to 20 minutes. Yeah. It's it's kind of a lot. On a hot day, it'd be fun. But, I, think, it, I mean, the, the if the song was redone, like some of the stuff feels dated. I get it, yeah. And I'm like, well, I like it historically, but I don't necessarily have a lot of fun with it. They're like, there's not a lot of energy to it. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah, not, that there not like the Tiki to, Room. Well, right. And even in the Tiki Room, there's parts where it's less energy. Yeah. But that's a most mostly energy show, so it's kind of different. But on, that, on this show, I can, at this point, take it or leave it. Okay. If it's there, great. If not, whatever. That's fine. I think I'd rather it be back than, like, I mean, Star Wars Launch Bay. Is well, just... I'm assuming that something will replace its uh, building. Uh, you know, you just mentioned it. Launch Bay. Something will knock that out of its place. And then... <laughs> would, you, would you rather a Tron coaster than uh, sure Carousel Progress? Why for not? Example? That'd be fun. Yeah, I think you could still use the same soundtrack. Yeah, just play. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. just play the <laughs> Great Big <laughs> Beautiful Tomorrow throughout. Yeah, that... yeah. Well, I mean, you go. You think it'd be great to have it back? I'd like to have it back. I mean, I would rather honestly get rid of Autopia and put and put Tron there and then bring Carousel of Progress. Now, what if they made Autopia all electric vehicles where you couldn't smell the exhaust? That would be better. That would be better. It'd be a lot better for kids. They'd have way more fun. (laughs) Well, no, I mean to keep it, but it's also like the parents will will be fine with it because the exhaust is not there. Yeah. And uh, the cars would probably break down less frequently. I don't know that for a fact. (laughs) Well, Autopia also suffers from the fact that it's basically on a track and it goes very slow. Uh, I mean, I think as a kid, I always loved that as an idea. Yeah, like, yeah. I get to drive. I never get to drive. And then you get to go drive. I mean, that's a great thing for kids. Probably why it's still around. They don't care about learning about history, unfortunately. Kids? Not not in the same way that an adult will appreciate the, the progress, uh, the carousel progress that we're talking about. Fine, we'll bring it back. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm wondering if that building could still move i wonder if it's even if oh that's an interesting thought i hadn't even thought whether that building moves around yeah because that's the idea is that you know it again the, the whole show is in the center and then the bill and you know this but the listeners might not the building just moves around it in a circular motion and i don't know if that building is locked in place now or what happens like if they've somehow disabled that aspect of it i w- i'm thinking right now that i'm the book that we read about where there was a little bit about this attraction talked about the way that the building moves. Yeah. It was unclear to me that in in this Disneyland version that it was the audience who moved and not the the middle. Oh, interesting. So I I don't know for a fact. I know in Disney World you move Mm -hmm. is is the audience, but I don't know for a fact that that's the case in Disney uh, Land back in the day. It might have been, but we're not sure. Something moved, and I don't know where the stage would have been, actually. Well, I've never tried to envision it inside of the launch bay. Well, walking into the launch bay now would be hard. It's very hard to envision there being a carousel yeah. of progress in there. I almost can't even Especially see Especially when it. Darth Vader is, he's, yes. he's choking you. Yes. You've had this happen. Force choking, yes. Yeah. Yeah. I see, I don't even know what it's called. <laughs> well, once you've experienced it, it's hard to forget. You can't forget. Yeah, I understand. Yeah. yeah. Well, anyways, this is a great attraction. I mean, whether or not it's something that we uh, would endorse being back in Disneyland, it's it was really fun to look into it and i'm glad that we have it in disney world so that uh the next time we go back we'll have a little bit more uh history behind it and also it's just nice to have there as a relic 
Yeah. You know, an ode to Walt. And I hope it never leaves Disney World. That's one thing I can say for sure. I will say that I'm glad that they did this, New Tomorrowland, and instead of Edison Square. Yeah. Edison Square would have been so odd. It would have it would have just been would it have been know, like Liberty Square, perhaps, in Disney no, World? No, no. Because it was centered around the idea of progress still, mm. I think. I mean, how long are you going to keep a, a little small section where it's just about electricity and how it has an effect on your... Yeah, like Main I, Street is good because it, it takes a time period in American history and has so many different elements to it that they're all still around, you know, restaurants buying merchandise, yeah. different shops. Now, those changed over the years. It was more shops in the beginning, more even practical shops, but... Edison Square, I don't think would would sustain itself. I mean, even Tomorrowland couldn't do it. Yeah. Well, maybe, maybe, maybe they'll still bring Edison Square. You don't know. It, it could make a comeback. They'll bring in a Elon Musk Square. Yeah. Whatever. A Musk Square, a Tesla Square, Tesla Square. <laughs> Very good. Okay. And uh, and with that, we will see you guys next week. Thanks for joining us. See you next time. Bye bye.